This episode of Carolina Sports Talk is brought to you by Southern Elegance Candle Company, where modern values meet Southern charm. Right now, check out their fall and holiday collection with candle scents such as Caramel Latte, Fireside, Sweet Potato and Brown Sugar, and their very personal favorite, Orange Spice. The scent is described as cloves wrapped in a citrusy orange essence that takes you all the way back to Grandma's house. This is sure to be one of your favorites, just like it is theirs. So make sure to go and visit secandlecode.com and use the promo code CRUX, that's C-R-U-X, for 15% off all regularly priced items. That's secandlecode.com, where they lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory to whisk you to a place of pure joy. On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we give you some NFL storylines. We talk about Wilder versus Fury. Big deal, no thing, and so much more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Can y'all feel that? Can you feel that thing that's oozing out your doggone hands? That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. As always, you can check us out on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. Make sure you check us out on social media at Carolina Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram, or you can hit us on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff at CarolinaSportsTalk.net. We are excited to be back with you guys another week. As always, my main man, DJ High Star, is in the building. Holla at your people, bro. That old New York stance. Hey, we used to do that down in Charleston, too, but it used to be like, Yeah, 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 yeah. But what's good with you, bro? What you been up to, man? How your week been, bro? Um, Man, it's been a cool week. Um, Just ended... Along with the, you know, the Panthers loss, of course, um, mm. I ended the week one and two in fantasy. But the one, the, the one, one <laughs> the one took down a certain undefeated squad in one of my fantasy leagues. And I felt very good about our victory there because I left a lot of pieces on the bench. Mm-hmm. It's nothing about the opponent. It was nothing about the opponent, you know, whatever, formidable or whatever. I feel like. Never mind, never mind. Formidable or whatever, it's nothing about the opponent. Now, let's but, go ahead know, and get into it. So, the, the, the opponent is somebody you know pretty well. Huh? I said the opponent was somebody you know very well. I think it's somebody that the audience knows as well. Is I'm it, confident in saying. I, I, I think that's a reasonable assumption. Is he somebody who actually sponsored the league? All right, we're going to stop playing this game. Yes, <laughs> we're going to stop playing this game. Yeah, it was Big Clip. Yeah. So, y'all, we yeah. took that L. And also... In our messenger group, you was talking a lot of smiggity smack about what you how you performed in the other league, uh-huh. and I didn't want to blow up your spot then, but I'll blow it up now. What up, be easy? But yeah, I, I didn't want to blow up your spot last <laughs> night, but I'll blow it up right now while we're on the airwaves. Yeah, so this week in the fantasy football, I suffered my first loss in the Carolina Sports Talk League. I had been four and zero to that point. 
Uh, this has overall been just in a, in a horrid, uh, just terrible football weekend for me. Panthers, as you mentioned, lost, and we'll get into that a little while later. And after that, I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm just done with this. And so I went and did some things, lived life a little bit. I didn't even watch any more football the rest of the day. And even when I got ready to take a nap right before the 4 o'clock slate of games, I looked and saw that uh, in, in that same matchup with you, uh, it, ESPN's league gave a percentage chance that you're going to win. And it was at like 70-something percent. I was like, well, my Panthers lost, but at least I'll remain undefeated in this league. You know, last week I was able to pull out a victory against Patriot Patty, and then this week I faced you. So I was like, yo, nah, I'm good, I'm good. Man, I laid down, went to sleep, bro. When I opened that thing back up, uh, at, matter of fact, after the night game, because I saw that your boy um, uh, Lamar was getting off in, with Baltimore, and so I went to look and see, yo, so what did this look like? And I saw that it, it had come back. Oh, I was like, oh, I'm just done. I'm just done. I don't know how you came back and, and, and just trashed me, but my That's players let me down completely, bro. I mean, and then also, to, to his credit, yesterday evening, um, Andrews performed, I want to mm-hmm. say. Yep. Yep. Um, so, of course, Lamar Jackson got like 70 points in your other league, which you wanted to gloat about. But <laughs> Andrews, 40-something points made it actually a respectable score. And kind of not, not had me nervous because you're thinking before the game starts, you're thinking, all right, this guy needs to have 70 points alone in order to beat right. me. But he tried his best. He got, we, we'll talk about it later, I guess. But he got four touchdowns, I think, or something like that mm-hmm. and over 100 yards receiving and stuff. So. He was trying. He was trying to get you to win. He was pushing. Like, he was fighting for me, and I didn't even realize it. So, shout out to uh, Mr. Mark Andrews, tight end or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, man, as you said, this just overall week was a good week with football. Uh, uh, So, let's just get – matter of fact, let's just start there and jump directly into some scores. I'm going to turn this down because that's real loud in my ear. So, we're going to start off with Thursday night's game. The Rams took care of the Seahawks 26-17. to Biggest, uh, bigger loss for the Seahawks because Mr. Russell Wilson went down in that game. That's their first loss to on a Thursday night since week 7, 2012. Uh, on Sunday's slate of games, the Jets lost to the Falcons over in London 27 to 20. The Lions fell to the Vikings 17 to 19 for the game winning 54 yard field goal as time expired. The Washington football team lost to the New Orleans Saints 33 to 22. Alva Kamara, uh, for his part in it throughout the season, has been pretty steady and decent. In this game, he had 71 rush yards, including a a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Uh, The Patriots squeaked out a win over the Texans 25-22. The Dolphins just laid a stinker against Tom Brady, who had 400 passing yards with five passing touchdowns for the first time in his career. Uh, The backers took care of the Bengals in overtime when nobody seemed to want to kick a field goal and win it 25-22. The Broncos lost to the Steelers 19-27. The Eagles over the Panthers 21-18. The Tennessee Titans are taking care of business. Seem like they're rounding in the streak. Uh, 37-19 victory over the Jaguars. The Jaguars have now lost 20 straight games, which is the third longest streak in NFL history. The Cleveland Browns lost to the uh, to the Chargers. I started to call them the San Diego Chargers, but they are not. They are the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Baker Mayfield, his third career loss with scoring 42 or more points, and that's most in league history. The Chicago Bears took care of the Raiders 20-9. Uh, the 49ers lost to the Cardinals, who are off to their first 
5-0 and start since 1974 when they were the St. Louis Cardinals. The shorthanded and completely understaffed, the Giants lost to the Cowboys 20-44, Bills over the Chiefs 38-20, Ravens over the Colts 31-25, and that's it. Sometimes <laughs> Chris Berman. Listen, huh? listen, Chris we out Berman? here. We do this. Yeah. And for those of yeah. you who are like not able to see what I'm seeing, because you know, there's I'm a, I like bringing y'all behind the scenes. DJ Highstar has discovered the uh, what is it filters and or effects of some sort for uh, Messenger, which <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to read the scores the whole time, and bro is got here making these faces and killing <laughs> me. <laughs> Way to be transparent, bro. Way to be transparent. Listen, I got because I got to because they yeah. had me laughing because you out here being jokey. So yeah, as we get back into it, the, the game that stood out to me again was the Panthers game. Um, I mentioned to you early in the week, and then I just put it in our notes for today that. Sam Darnold's regression in this game was the best thing that happened to the Carolina Panthers for this reason. To point and to the date, there have been a lot who have said that he is the solution and the answer for us at the quarterback position. Um, but so much of the mistakes that he made with the Jets uh, were a result of, yes, the bad offensive line pay, play and the lack of receivers other than Robbie really out there and, and the scheme and the play calling and stuff. But he has an innate ability that has now seems like it's programmed into him to make mistakes at the worst time. It's been covered up through the first three weeks of the season with um, just some amazing defensive play. But he even like when we were winning and he was being a bit more accurate and patient a few weeks ago, there was a shuffle pass that he tried to give like behind the line. It's like wide. It ended up being an interception. Uh, you can think back to the three interceptions that he threw in this game, the two that he threw last week to Diggs, And he's just, He's not the guy who is going to lead this team to a quarterback uh, in the quarterback position to a Super Bowl win. Um, for, for me, that's all that they need to, to, to have seen. They don't need to waste any more time as they seem that they are not interested in doing. David Tepper has shown that he is in win mode. He does not lo like losing. He will not tolerate mediocrity um, as evidenced again by even uh, with moving um, last year's quarterback. Um, oh, boy, what a fella name. Um, out in Denver now. Teddy, Bridge, Teddy, Bridge, Teddy Two Gloves. Like, to He's say... Razzled. Huh? <laughs> He's razzled because of the loss. Listen, I am completely razzled-dazzled. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be saying Sam... Uh, uh, what's his name again? You know that guy who was there until Deshaun came and won us our Super Bowl championship? I've been holding steady. I've been holding firm to that acquisition for months. And I'm not letting it go. I, I think that that was enough for them to say, you know what? We need to do what we can to pull the trigger. Now, whether or not he'll play this season, I don't know. But we need to do whatever it needs to happen to go ahead and get Deshaun Watson. Because you couple... How does that happen, bro? You say what? From Houston's standpoint, what, what do you need to do that, to make that happen? The, what is Houston doing right now with him? Are they holding him for ransom pretty much? Basically, because they know that there's a lot of uncertainty with regards to his um, his just his legal troubles and issues. And so they're just pretty much stashing him. They're paying him. They've not put him on the commissioner's exempt list. They've not yet deactivated him for the season. They said he won't play, but he's on their active roster holding a slot. 
which to me never made much sense anyway. You got to pay him anyway. Why not deactivate him so you can have another player on, on that slot? But no, it's like they, they, their asking price has been tremendously high. There were some over the summers, and if you guys want to go back and listen to previous episodes, um, we, we talked about it briefly then, uh, well, ad nauseum really then, that they were asking some upwards of four first-round picks and talent and all that. No, that's crazy. There was one trade uh, trade uh, analysis guy or analyst from uh, NFL Network that said that if the Panthers wanted him, that we would have to trade them four first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey and likely one of our budding defensive stars. I was like, that's ridiculous. At this point, no, there's something that's going to happen. Um, I wouldn't be upset if it was two first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey at this point. Um, uh, Christian has been injured. There are a lot of Panthers fans who probably scream at me and say, you crazy. Nah, nah, nah. But that defense that we have right now, and we'll talk about the defense in just a second, but um, it, we, he, Sam Darnold is not the answer to quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. I'm waiting for us to talk about the defense because <laughs> I'll put a package together with one of the 17 DBs we got. Well, <laughs> well let's just jump into it then. Uh, so since our last recording, there was a monster acquisition with the Carolina Panthers acquiring Stefan Gilmore for a sixth round pick from the New England Patriots. So you couple him with CJ Henderson that we recently got in a trade with AJ Bouye, who's looking really like the part that he played uh, down in, uh, in uh, not Tampa, but in, uh, in Jacksonville, you add that with a healthy JC horn and Dante Jackson on the other end. And the safety help coming down. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> bro, is this the best defense at healthy and full strength? Is this the best defense in the, in the NFL? Well, it's hard to uh, put many defenses up against them. But also, I'll say this, and more specifically to the secondary, this is one of the most talented on paper um, defenses, you know, that we've seen, um, especially here in Carolina in, in recent history. Um, but, yeah, again, with the secondary being stacked, it's like, to me, we great use out of that, but also it's also leverage as well. You know, again, with, with your – fruitful thoughts about getting your optimistic thoughts about getting Mr. Watson, you know, a couple of those guys is, is pretty valuable. And, and Hey, we just, I mean, we got some to spare. We got some <laughs> cornerbacks to spare. You poor corner, chin down some... there. Yeah. Poor chin down there. He got safety. He probably got one behind him, maybe two on the depth chart behind him mm -hmm. that even know his position. And then he still know, like you uh, mentioned to us off air, mentioned to me that he could play linebacker or come off the end as well. He was he was in man coverage, um, trying to guard the RPO against um, against Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, it's just a lot of DBs. It's DB country over there. Listen, thieves' ass is real thick. Pause back there, bro. Like they, they, they we we have the numbers now. I would say that I wouldn't want to see us trade any of them. Um, offensively, if they wanted to get rid of DJ, not DJ, no, gosh, no, DJ Moore. If they wanted to say trade Robbie Anderson, uh, Christian McCaffrey, two first round picks, and one of the corners, 
not and not even I wouldn't even like let's say if if Dante Jackson as high of a talent as he is, there are others who do the same type of role that he does. Um, I think JC is, is is a better, more talented player. He's definitely bigger, um, but I think Dante has still got that swag. He's got that nose for the ball. He's tenacious. I wouldn't willingly want to see him go, but for a package that would include Deshaun Watson, knowing what we would still have there left, um, yeah, no, nah, ain't no doubt in my mind that that's a Super Bowl. Bro, if, you're team. D- if you're DC mm-hmm. um, of the Panthers and you do keep all of that talent, then what is your what's your utilization? Are you you taking away from the rush and putting a nickel and keeping a primarily keeping nickel and dime defenses or packages out there and keeping less in the box? So I think it the players would allow him to keep the same um mentality that he or has now. Rotation based. Exactly. So if Coach Snow has a lot of positionless cl- players out there. So that's why Chin does come from the safety down to a linebacker slot sometimes. Or when they all crowd the line of scrimmage at, at the beginning of the play and the defense is tr- and the offense is trying to recognize, okay, who's the mic? Who's rushing? Who's not? And they're trying to get their assignments. When they're all flat up on the line like that, they're certain with certain players and personnel, when they're flat like that, you know, okay, he's five foot 11 110 pounds he's not fitting to come rush he's that's the safety he's dropping you know in our instance seven seventh the mic he's the linebacker he's likely going to be the one rushing coming around the side but when you have those talented players who are all big who are all fast who can play multiple spots the offense isn't able to identify in the quick time that they have to do it who's coming from where and so in playing a lot of that flat alignment in the dime or the nickel that allows our offense, that allows, allows our defense greater flexibility where you can at, bring them all to the line and send everybody knowing that if you've got JC going out in a coverage, covering the primary receiver, that that receiver has now been locked down and it's not going to be anything. And then on the other side, you didn't have D Jack or without D Jack, you would have starting um, uh, uh, our newest Bouye. acquisition. Second. Bouye. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's, that's where, um, why am I bad with names? The Rock Hill boy. Gilmore. <laughs> Stefan Gilmore, who went to Carolina, who is our reason. Anyway, that's if you've got Gilmore on the other side, now you've got somebody else who locks down the other side. So when you're playing the Tampa Bays of the world and you've got AB on one side and Evans and all of them, you've got now lockdown corners who can play man and hold themselves with those players, but then also with your Jeremy Chins and your D Jacks and the others who in the middle can then come and rush. And, and it gives our great, uh, it gives our defense greater flexibility to be able to disguise, to rush, to cover and be the nest dog. Oh, I'm like literally excited about the potential with all of these guys healthy and knowing what, like I said, coach snow is able to do and the types of plays that he runs with them. Boy, it's going to be some trouble in the NFC South next year. You hear me? Not to mention whatever acquisitions that we make in the offseason. Because when you build a talented squad like this, now you get the free agents who want to come. And our team is young. So the core and the majority of these players, if I'm I'm not mistaken, something I looked at said like 85% of our players are locked up for multiple years. And so even when we do start having to, and people ask, why did they sign this person? Why did they sign that one? So that we have that flexibility for the next year, you get free agents who want to start coming in. We mess around and get some offensive linemen um, signed in the offseason. Then you turn around in the draft, draft some line, another lineman, maybe another tight end, another middle linebacker. Super Bowl in three years, bro. I'm telling you. 
So you say you don't think the the defense is the best ever, but you definitely are, are proud of and, and kind of can give that to the secondary. Yeah, and again, it's it's just that on paper, we um, on paper the secondary is like when um, when the Lakers stack their team. Mm-hmm. I saw. I just wanted to take a dig at the Lakers. But <laughs> See, and for me, I'm weary. I'm, I'm encouraged just because, again, this episode of Carolina Sports Talk is brought to you by Southern Elegance Candle Company, where modern values meet Southern charm. Right now, check out their fall and holiday collection with candle scents such as caramel latte, fireside, sweet potato and brown sugar, and their very personal favorite, orange spice. The scent is described as cloves wrapped in a citrusy orange essence that takes you all the way back to grandma's house. This is sure to be one of your favorites, just like it is theirs. So make sure to go and visit secandlecode.com and use the promo code CRUX, that's C-R-U-X, for 15% off all regularly priced items. That's secandlecode.com where they lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory to whisk you to a place of pure joy. On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we give you some NFL storylines. We talk about Wilder versus Fury, big deal, no thing, and so much more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. As always, you can check us out on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. Make sure you check us out on social media at Carolina Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram, or you can hit us on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. We are excited to be back with you guys another week. As always, my main man, DJ High Star, is in the building. Holla at your people, bro. That old New York stance. Hey, we used to do that down in Charleston, too, but it used to be like, Yeah, 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 yeah. But what's good with you, bro? What you been up to, man? How your week been, bro? Um, man, it's been a cool week. Um, Just ended... Along with the, you know, the Panthers loss, of course, um, mm. I ended the week one and two in fantasy. But the one, the, the one, one <laughs> the one took down a certain undefeated squad in one of my fantasy leagues. And I felt very good about our victory there because I left a lot of pieces on the bench. Mm-hmm. It's nothing about the opponent. It was nothing about the opponent, you know, whatever, formidable or whatever. I feel like. Never mind. Never mind. Formidable or whatever. It's nothing about the opponent. Now, let's but, go ahead you know, and get into it. Uh, so, the, the, the opponent is somebody you know pretty well. Huh? I said the opponent was somebody you know very well. I think it's somebody that the audience knows as well. Is I'm it, confident in saying. I, I, I think that's a reasonable assumption. Is he somebody who actually sponsored the league? All right. We're going to stop playing this game. Yes. <laughs> we're going to stop playing this game. Yeah. It was Big Clip. Yeah. So, y'all, you yeah. took that L. 
And also, in our messenger group, you was talking a lot of smiggity smack about what you <laughs> how you performed in the other league. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to blow up your spot then, but I'll blow it up now. What up, be easy? But yeah, I, I didn't want to blow up your spot last <laughs> night, but I'll blow it up right now while we're on the airwaves. Yeah, so this week in the fantasy football, I suffered my first loss in the Carolina Sports Talk League. I had been 4-0 and to that point. Uh, this has overall been just an, a, a horrid, uh, just terrible football weekend for me. Panthers, as you mentioned, lost, and we'll get into that a little while later. And after that, I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm just done with this. And so I went and did some things, lived life a little bit. I didn't even watch any more football the rest of the day. And even when I got ready to take a nap right before the 4 o'clock slate of games, I looked and saw that uh, in in that same matchup with you, uh, ESPN's league gave a percentage chance that you're going to win. And it was at like 70-something percent. I was like, well, my Panthers lost, but at least I'll remain undefeated in this league. You know, last week I was able to pull out a victory against Patriot Patty, and then this week I faced you. So I was like, yo, nah, I'm good, I'm good. Man, I laid down, went to sleep, bro. When I opened that thing back up, uh, matter of fact, after the night game, because I saw that your boy um, uh, Lamar was getting off with Baltimore, and so I went to look and see, yo, so what did this look like? And I saw that it, it had come back. Oh, I was like, oh, I'm just done. I'm just done. I don't know how you came back and, and, and just trashed me, but my players let me down completely, bro. I mean, and then also, to to his credit, yesterday evening, um, Andrews performed, I want to mm-hmm. say. Yep, yep. Um, so, of course, Lamar Jackson got like 70 points in your other league, which you wanted to gloat about. But <laughs> Andrew's 40-something points made it actually a respectable score. And kind of not, not had me nervous because you're thinking before the game starts, you're thinking, all right, this guy needs to have 70 points alone in order to beat right. me. But he tried his best. He got we, We'll talk about it later, I guess. But he got four touchdowns, I think, or something like that, mm-hmm. and over 100 yards receiving and stuff. So. He was trying. He was trying to get you to win. He was pushing. Like, and he was fighting for me, and I didn't even realize it. Now, so shout out to uh, Mr. Mark Andrews, tight end or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it, as you said, this just overall week was a good week with football. Uh, uh, so let's just get – matter of fact, let's just start there and jump directly into some scores. I'm going to turn this down because that's real loud in my ear. So we're going to start off with Thursday night's game. The Rams took care of the Seahawks 26-17. to Biggest, uh, bigger loss for the Seahawks is Mr. Russell Wilson went down in that game. That's their first loss on a Thursday night since Week 7, 2012. Uh, on Sunday's slate of games, the Jets lost to the Falcons over in London, 27 to 20. The Lions fell to the Vikings, 17 to 19, with a game-winning 54-yard field goal as time expired. The Washington Football Team lost to the New Orleans Saints, 33 to 22. Alvin Kamara, uh, for his part in it throughout the season, has been pretty steady and decent. In this game, he had 71 rush yards, including a a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Uh, The Patriots squeaked out a win over the Texans, 25-22. The Dolphins just laid a stinker against Tom Brady, who had 400 passing yards with five passing touchdowns for the first time in his career. Uh, The backers took care of the Bengals in overtime when nobody seemed to want to kick a field goal and win it, 25-22. The Broncos lost to the Steelers, 19-27. The Eagles over the Panthers, 21-18. The Tennessee Titans are taking care of business. Seems like they're rounding in the streak. Uh, 37-19 victory over the Jaguars. 
Jaguars have now lost 20 straight games, which is the third longest streak in NFL history. The Cleveland Browns lost to the uh, to the Chargers. I started to call them the San Diego Chargers, but they are not. They are the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Baker Mayfield, his third career loss with scoring 42 or more points, and that's most in league history. The Chicago Bears took care of the Raiders 20 to nine. Uh, the 49ers lost to the Cardinals, who are off to their first 5-0 start since 1974 when they were the St. Louis Cardinals. The shorthanded and completely understaffed the Giants lost to the Cowboys 20-44. Bills over the Chiefs 38-20. Ravens over the Colts 20, excuse me, 31-25. And that's it. Sometimes <laughs> Chris Berman. Listen, huh? listen, Chris we Berman? out here. We do this. And for those of huh? you who are like not able to see what I'm seeing, because you know, there's I'm a, I like bringing y'all behind the scenes. DJ Highstar has discovered the uh, what is it filters and or effects of some sort for uh, Messenger, which. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to read the scores the whole time, and bro is got here making these faces and killing <laughs> me. <laughs> Way to be transparent, bro. Way to be transparent. Listen, I got because I got to because they yeah. hit me laughing because you out here being jokey. So yeah, as we get back into it, the, the game that stood out to me again was the Panthers game. Um, I mentioned to you earlier in the week, and then I just put it in our notes for today that. Sam Darnold's regression in this game was the best thing to happen to the Carolina Panthers for this reason. To point and to the date, there have been a lot who have said that he is the solution and the answer for us at the quarterback position. Um, but so much of the mistakes that he made with the Jets uh, were a result of, yes, the bad offensive line pay, play and the lack of receivers other than Robbie really out there and, and the scheme and the play calling and stuff. But he has an innate ability that has now seems like it's programmed into him to make mistakes at the worst time. It's been covered up through the first three weeks of the season with um, just some amazing defensive play. But he even like when we were winning and he was being a bit more accurate and patient a few weeks ago, there was a shuffle pass that he tried to give like behind the line. It's like wide. It ended up being an interception. Uh, you can think back to the three interceptions that he threw in this game, the two that he threw last week to Diggs, And he's just, He's not the guy who is going to lead this team to a quarterback uh, in the quarterback position to a Super Bowl win. Um, for, for me, that's all that they need to, to, to have seen. They don't need to waste any more time as they've seen that they are not interested in doing. David Tepper has shown that he is in win mode. He does not lo like losing. He will not tolerate mediocrity um, as evidenced again by even uh, with moving um, last year's quarterback. Um, oh, boy, what a fella name. Um, out in Denver now. Teddy, Bridge, Teddy, Teddy Two Gloves. Like, to say... Huh? <laughs> razzled because of the loss. Right, listen, I am completely razzled-dazzled. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be saying Sam... Uh, uh, what's his name again? You know that guy who was there until Deshaun came and won us our Super Bowl championship? I've been holding steady. I've been holding firm to that acquisition for months. And I'm not letting it go. I, I think that that was enough for them to say, you know what? We need to do what we can to pull the trigger. Now, whether or not he'll play this season, I don't know. But we need to do whatever it needs to happen to go ahead and get Deshaun Watson. Because you couple... I don't that happen, bro. You say what? From Houston's standpoint, what, what do you need 
to do that, to make that happen. The, what is Houston doing right now with him? Are they holding him for ransom pretty much? Basically, because they know that there's a lot of uncertainty with regards to his, um, his just his legal troubles and issues. And so they're just pretty much stashing him. They're paying him. They've not put him on the commissioner's exempt list. They've not yet deactivated him for the season. They said he won't play, but he's on their active roster holding a slot, which to me never made much sense anyway. You got to pay him anyway. Why not deactivate him so you can have another player on, on that slot? But no, it's like they, they their asking price has been tremendously high. There were some over the summers, and if you guys want to go back and listen to previous episodes, um, we, we talked about it briefly then, uh, well, ad nauseum really then, that – they were asking upwards of four first round picks and talent and all. No, that's crazy. There was one trade uh, trade uh, analysis guy or analyst from uh, NFL Network that said that if the Panthers wanted him, that we would have to trade them four first round picks and Christian McCaffrey and likely one of our budding defensive stars. I was like, that's ridiculous. At this point, no, there's something that's going to happen. Um, I wouldn't be upset if it was two first round picks and Christian McCaffrey at this point. Um, uh, Christian has been injured. There are a lot of Panthers fans who probably scream at me and say, you crazy. Nah, nah, nah. But that defense that we have right now, and we'll talk about the defense in just a second, but um, it, we, he, Sam Donald is not the answer to quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. I'm waiting for us to talk about the defense because <laughs> I'll put a package together with one of the 17 DBs we got. Well, <laughs> well, let's just jump into it then. Uh, so since our last recording, there was a monster acquisition with the Carolina Panthers acquiring Stefan Gilmore for a sixth round pick from the New England Patriots. So you couple him with CJ Henderson that we recently got in a trade with AJ Bouye, who's looking really like the part that he played uh, down in uh, in uh, not Tampa, but in uh, in Jacksonville. You add that with a healthy J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson on the other end and the safety help coming down. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> bro, is this the best defense at healthy and full strength? Is this the best defense in the, in the NFL? Well, it's hard to. Uh, put many defenses up against them, but also I'll say this, and more specifically to the secondary, this is one of the most talented on paper um, defenses, you know, that we've seen, um, especially here in Carolina in, in recent history. Um, but yeah, again, with the secondary being stacked, it's like to me. Great use out of that, but also it's also leverage as well. You know, again, with with your fruitful thoughts about getting your optimistic thoughts about getting Mr. Watson, you know, a couple of those guys is is pretty valuable. And and hey, we just I mean we got some to spare. We got some cornerbacks <laughs> to spare. You poor little chin down some? there. Yeah, poor chin down there. He got safety. He probably got one behind him, maybe two on the depth chart behind him. That even know his position, and then he still know, like you uh, mentioned to us off air, mentioned to me that he could play linebacker mm-hmm. or come off the end as well. He was he was in man coverage, um, trying to guard the RPO against um, against Jalen Hurts. So 
Yeah, it's just a lot of DBs. It's DB country over there. Listen, thieves ass is real thick. Pause back there, bro. Like they, they, they we we have the numbers. Now, I would say that I wouldn't want to see us trade any of them um offensively if they wanted to get rid of DJ not DJ. No, gosh, no. Got to get DJ more. If they wanted to say trade Robbie Anderson, uh Christian McCaffrey, two first round picks and one of the corners. Not and not even I wouldn't even like let's say if if Dante Jackson as high of a talent as he is, there are others who do the same type of role that he does. Um, I think JC is, is is a better, more talented player. He's definitely bigger. Um, but I think Dante has still got that swag. He's got that nose for the ball. He's tenacious. I wouldn't willingly want to see him go. But for a package that would include Deshaun Watson, knowing what we would still have there left, um, yeah, no, nah, ain't no doubt in my mind that that's a Super Bowl. Well, if, you're, if you're D.C., Mm-hmm. Um, of the Panthers, and you do keep all of that talent, then what is your what's your utilization? Are you you taking away from the rush and putting a nickel and keeping a primarily keeping nickel and dime defenses or packages out there and keeping less in the box? So I think it the players would allow him to keep the same um, mentality that he or has now. Rotation based. Exactly. So if Coach Snow has a lot of positionless cl- players out there. So that's why Chin does come from the safety down to a linebacker slot sometimes. Or when they all crowd the line of scrimmage at, at the beginning of the play and the defense is tr- and the offense is trying to recognize, okay, who's the mic? Who's rushing? Who's not? And they're trying to get their assignments. When they're all flat up on the line like that, they're certain with certain players and personnel, when they're flat like that, you know, okay, he's Five foot 11, 110 pounds. He's not fitting to come rush. He's that's the safety. He's dropping, you know, in our instance, seven, seventh the mic. He's the linebacker. He's likely going to be the one rushing coming around the side. But when you have those talented players who are all big, who are all fast, who can play multiple spots, the offense isn't able to identify in the quick time that they have to do it who's coming from where. And so in playing a lot of that flat alignment in the dime or the nickel that allows our offense, allows our defense greater flexibility where you can bring them all to the line and send everybody knowing that if you've got JC going out in a coverage, covering the primary receiver, that that receiver has now been locked down and it's not going to be anything. And then on the other side, you didn't have D Jack or without D Jack, you would have starting um, uh, uh, our newest acquisition. Second. Gouye. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's that's where um the, I, why am I bad with names? The Rock Hill boy. Gilmore. <laughs> Stefan Gilmore who went to Carolina, who is our reason. Anyway, that's if you got Gilmore on the other side, now you've got somebody else who locks down the other side. So when you're playing the Tampa Bays of the world and you've got A B on one side and Evans and all of them, you've got now lockdown corners who can play man and hold themselves with those players, but then also with your Jeremy Chins. And your DJX and the others who in the middle can then come and rush, and and it gives our great, uh, it gives our defense greater flexibility to be able to disguise, to rush, to cover, and be the nest dog. Oh, I'm like literally excited about the potential with all of these guys healthy and knowing what, like I said, Coach Snow is able to do in the types of plays that he runs with them. Boy, it's gonna be some trouble in the NFC South next year. You hear me? Not to mention whatever acquisitions that we make in the offseason. Because when you build a talented squad like this, 
Now you get the free agents who want to come. And our team is young. So the core and the majority of these players, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, something I looked at said like 85% of our players are locked up for multiple years. And so even when we do start having, to, and people ask, why did they sign this person? Why did they sign that one? So that we have that flexibility for the next year. You get free agents who want to start coming in. We mess around and get some offensive linemen um, signed in the offseason. Then you turn around in the draft, draft some line, another lineman, maybe another tight end, another middle linebacker. Super Bowl in three years, bro. I'm telling you. So you say you don't think the the defense is the best ever, but you definitely are, are proud of and, and kind of can give that to the secondary. Yeah, and again, it's it's just that on paper, we um on paper the secondary is like when um when the Lakers stack their team. Mm-hmm. I saw. I just went to take a dig at the Lakers. But <laughs> see, and for me, I'm weary. I'm, I'm encouraged just because, again, I see the culture that's being built there. I see what Coach Rule, Coach Snow, um, Coach Brady, all of those guys, I see their vision being executed. The thing that's hindering us now, as I mentioned, the mistakes on offense. Um, we've got the personnel, and when, when healthy, we have – very terrifying potential. Um, and so I'm just looking forward to us growing on with that. Now, one team that... So how long before you make a change with Darnold? Or would they just keep him as a backup quarterback, in your opinion? No. Now, it, it, it and, and all that depends on who and when they begin to make or, or make the changes. The trade deadline is uh, early November, so they've got only a couple of weeks to be able to make the decisions if they are going to pursue that. Uh, but there's a lot of red tape and a lot of uncertainty with regards to if the commissioner is even going to let him play this year. Because if he doesn't, if then, then then there's no need to even go anywhere near Houston. But some I've heard the, the rumblings of bring Cam back. Cam had a lot of the same mistake tendencies, if you would. The underthrows, the overthrows, the lack of accuracy. Um, who knows where his health is at this point? What kind of shape he's in? Um, and, and although he is incredibly familiar with um, with Charlotte and with the Panthers organization as a whole, Coach Brady's system is a different system. And so there would right. be some adjustment period there. Um, I honestly don't see a, an available – it's not like, oh, let's go get Kaepernick and win the Super Bowl this year. Um, if if we do go and get Deshaun Watson, I think that next year is the ideal opportunity to see the full um, perspective or potential that the team has. But again, there's just no free agents out there or no big trades. Like there's nobody's backup that says, hey, let's go and get that character or that player. And even with the quarterbacks, if you look in college football that are out there now, nobody wows you uh, that's going to be available in the draft next year. There are some serviceable guys who may be, you know, good quarterbacks, but I don't see any greats. Um, now, the one who kind of does stand out to me that is a good player in college this year that I think would be a good fit for the Panthers uh, Desmond Ritter down in Cincinnati. Um, he's a big guy. He's got some mobility to him, but his accuracy is there, both down the field with the intermediary short routes, uh, all of that. He, he's he's a good quarterback. What kind of routes before the short routes? So again? On the, the what routes before the short routes? The yeah. middle ones? Let's just say the middle ones. <laughs> intermediary. The middle ones, the, the, the mid routes, the, more, the slants, the goals, the crossings, and all of those types of things. So, yeah. But no, nah, Ritter looks good. Uh, I don't think he'll win a Heisman or nothing, but um, I would I would rather have him than Sam Darnold next year. I could tell you that. So, 
we just got to keep an eye on that and, and kind of see how that they'll build. I will say that Scott Federer and 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 by proxy, um, our owner, Mr. Tepper, is not playing on no games. And so Scott Federer has been involved in every trade, and he and he said it when he came in. We will be active. We will be involved at minimum in every trade. We're not going to land everybody, but we're going to be involved. And so he's been true to his word so far. Um, one individual that wasn't as true to his word, uh, Mr. John Gruden, who went in and decided he wanted to change the culture of the Raiders. Um, but he had a little bit of some ghosts in his closet. As many of you guys may know, Gruden has been ousted as the coach of the Raiders based on some um, homophobic and racist comments that he made in emails. Back misogynistic in, as well. Misogynistic, just, really just basically <laughs> wilding <laughs> in some email and, and that's in, in emails back in 2011. For me, bro, there's so much to unpack with this, man. Like, first of all, John Gruden was on TV as Chucky, and I ain't gonna lie, I enjoyed him as the commentator, but you don't know what kind of life people live in behind the scenes, man. Bro, if somebody asked you, do you think that this guy says the N-word, what would you say? I wouldn't know. You he look like he does. I, <laughs> I feel you, I respect that answer. I feel you, and I respect that answer. But, I, I mean, look, quarterback camp or whatever that was when he had his own little segment, that was cool. That was cool, mm-hmm. but me, maybe me being biased and subjective, but I could see a clear difference when he was talking to the young brothers versus some of the uh, young others. Okay. So, uh, but outside of that, though, also, and maybe I'm uncovering layers that you may have had on your list already, Cliff, so be prepared. Let's but, rock with it. Let's go. Um, let's talk locker room culture and, like, the culture of these gentlemen – that are football all their life, and then in the latter part of their life, coaching-wise, they're still football. It's similar to me to um, working in a mechanic shop or even the basketball locker room, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In certain places that guys, quote-unquote, want to be guys. Um, now, did you read the New York Times article? Like, Did you see some of the specifics on what, what was said, like about Demorius and, and some of the other... Yes, actually, and, and let's 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 get let's keep it a buck, keep it real. Go ahead and jump into it. All right, if I was in school, this would be kind of funny, but nah. But for the record, for the record, this is disrespectful, especially if I hear any of you white people saying. But yeah, you said the boys' lips look like Michelin tire. Is this the kind of humor that's going on behind our backs, behind closed doors? Yeah. Now here's my thing. Would you have an issue with it if him and Demoris were talking back and forth and, and was joking with it? Or even if he was joking with one of his black friends about it? And, and, and Again, if I'm not mistaken from the article, something was this was to Bruce Smith that this stuff was sent to. Mm. If we're talking Washington Redskins and Buffalo Bills great Bruce Smith, he's black. You know what I mean? If that's the one we're talking about. But at the same time, we're also talking about an NFL whose locker rooms do see white men using the N-word in the locker room or through the locker room with no repercussions or things like that and, and so forth and so on. And that's that's my only thing about it. Um, one, one point that's kind of stood out to me in all of this, when the racist remark, the, I'm doing air quotes, racist remarks came out about Morris Smith. There was no backlash. There was support um, 
Tony Dungy stepped up for him. Um, Mike Tarico went up and was. How saying, long ago was that? What? That 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 I guess was a story, or that that was released. That was last week, so it pop, it started popping about maybe right. Thursday ish. Right. right. Um, and there was there was no was issues. Quiet. Say again. I'm sorry to cut you up, but it was quiet, and it was like a ambig ambiguity where we what where we did not know the stuff with the details were not released about it. Like exactly. So the comments with regards to Demore Smith um, were out. And they, 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 there was uh, some hints or suggestions or whatever towards racist comments. And people were like, well, no, I don't think he's racist. I've been around him. Mike Tirico, I worked with him on ESPN back in Monday Night Football, and I saw no signs of him being a racist. He's a friend, and I wish him the best. But then the minute, the instant that there came anything about some women or anything about um, homosexuality or any of that... TQ. Right. All of those comments. Oh, now it's a yeah, now nah, we can't even deal with you. Now, I know that there's gonna be some that may not like this. And these thoughts are exclusively those of Cl Big Cliff and do not necessarily reflect the ideals of Carolina Sports Talk and or DJ High Star. But most recently now, I probably reflect my thoughts too though. <laughs> Whole time. Listen, and, and that's exactly where I'm going. Dave Chappelle's Netflix special rubbed a whole bunch of field people the wrong way. But my only question is, find the lie. When it's people being oppressed by their color, by their nationality or their origin, or it's it's cool. Oh, black folks, y'all's just sensitive. Y'all been dealing with this, da-da-da-da-da. But then when it comes to anything that's dealing with homo homophobic comments or misogyny or um, anti-Semitic or anything of that nature, now all of a sudden, exactly, any of those things, like, you look how quickly, and I hate to get into politics, but look how quickly the Asian hate bill was signed based on President Trump's the, the Chinese flu and all of that other stuff. But yet for hundreds of years, black folks been dealing with all of the same stuff. And it's like, it's just like, really? That's that that's not a thing, but this is? And so Dave Chappelle put it on the head. Um, and this literally for this to have reflected so quickly amongst the backlash, everybody saying, well, no, it's not like that. And, da, 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 da. and then for it to very quickly and instantly in front of the country's face pan out and unfold. It's like, come on, bro. Y'all really not going to see how the lines of what he was using as comedy, comedy, because at the end of the day, Art imitates life, or life imitates art. Where, which one is it? Is it art imitates life? Hey, that's the age-old question, bro. Listen, them both of them boys similar. <laughs> if I can yeah. get on my Charleston bag, but no, like it's very clear that the, the thing that he was making jokes about, but still bringing up a point of awareness, is now reflected. And John Gruden, it says John Gruden resigned. He he didn't have a choice. He was forced out. Had he not been resigned, they would have fired him. Point blank, period. I, there's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. I mean, I agree as well. Um, you know, at, when things like this happen, we always have the apologists come out. Instead of listening to our matriarch, Maya Angelou, in her wise words of, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Sorry, I had to get my mind I, No, I respect it because shout out to Avion Crockett. He's got a he's got a heck of a Maya Angelou. <laughs> I respect that, bro. But you had a little bit of Amistad <laughs> African in your mix there, somewhere, bro. 
I don't know. I wasn't rocking all the way. Toward the end, I was, but when the way we came in, I wasn't rocking with that impression. But yeah, no, um, you know, too many times that we apologize for these people and their actions, like, as if it's our burden to take. Like, Mike Tirico, this is not your fight, bro. I, and people are going to ask you, of course, these things, but it's not y'all bad. Like, it, it's like with the Rachel Nichols thing when that happened, and I hate to rehash this, but, you know, you got strong black men, Steven Jackson's of the world and stuff. Look, protect your protect your relationships, protect all of your, and however y'all take and interpret relationships, but protect all of right. your, you know what I'm saying, your relationships and stuff like that. But it's not y'all fight to fight. These people is choosing to put their foot in their mouth. Who's who's out there fighting with Dave Chappelle right now? Exactly, bro. Now, and, and on the flip side of that, for me, had the Raiders been five and zero, oh, this never would have surfaced. Because these ain't some emails that my guy wrote last week. These are from two thousand ten. He wasn't even an employee of the NFL at that time. He was still working with let me, ESPN. Let me read you a screenshot from one of our um, listeners, Antoine Marshall. Uh, one of our partners from Claflin, uh, fellow Claflinite, he posted on Facebook, Gruden's emails are why the NFL was so quick to settle with Kaepernick. Mm. Think about it. Because <laughs> mm, they already knew that smoking, gl- smoking gun was smoking. And see, and, 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 and on the same side, and, and, and I guess a flip, maybe even on the ridges on the side of the coin, I won't say the same side of the coin. You've got individuals who... Like Mike Tirico speaking up and it's not your fight. You got folks who have known, quote unquote, for years who he was and all of this, but never said anything. Keyshawn Johnson went on TV this morning and said that he believed that, oh, he's been a fraud from day one. I always thought that he was a used car salesman. Now, for those of you who may remember, John Gruden's first year with Tampa Bay, when he, quote, uh, according to Keyshawn and many others, inherited the squad from Tony Dungy, he inherited the players. Um, and they won the world championship the very next year. Um, he Keyshawn came out and was like, oh, he's been a used car salesman, and he was always that kind of guy, and he's a shysty, and da 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 So why you ain't said nothing about it before? And I get it. Yes, it, may, it didn't hurt your, 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 your – it may have hurt your uh, career, and it wasn't a popular thing, but don't if you didn't say nothing then, bro, don't come popping out now. Yeah, I knew it the whole time. So why you ain't said something the whole time? Why have you not been in a position to – fight and advocate for African-Americans, for homosexuals or whomever that this guy is has been accused of bashing well, and doing all this. Why not say something before? And I think that that goes towards, again, because this is so multifaceted, but it's braided. It's all braided together. So, again, I think it comes back to, um, to the plat of the culture, right, mm-hmm. out there in the league. So if he's not – if Gruden is not – the only one that talks like this. And I think that that's probably... So why now? Because like you mentioned, there are white guys in, in, the, in the locker room saying the N-word. There are those who have that relationship. Are you leaning more towards this being, oh, John Gruden just was a monster and people are finding out now? Or he done done something and pissed somebody off and now it's, it's a regard of, well, we got to go ahead and move you on and so we're going to use the things that we know that's out here. Yeah, absolutely. We all know the NFL is the biggest commercial that's out there outside of the Oscars and the Grammy. It's one big commercial. So at the end of the day, money is what fuels it. He he said or did something, but this is in the tuck. The same way that Deshaun Watson's transgressions were well known by Houston. 
So this is something that, that mm. this is a part of the NFL culture. Again, you go against us, we've got this stuff to paint the narrative that, you know, let's look at the cam situation with the COVID and how sketchy mm. that COVID, whole COVID protocol thing was and what that led to and the steps that that led down for his ultimate departure with New England. You know, everything is calculated. There's nothing that's a mistake. Exactly. And see, when I tell people the NFL is scripted. I think they feel like I'm talking about, oh, on this next play, we're supposed to get nine yards or in this game, we're supposed to lose by 50. That's not the part that's scripted for me. They know who they want to win overall. And so there are steps taken to align and allow those types of things to happen. But this is a prime example. The same thing you just talked about with Deshaun Watson. Houston absolutely knew exactly what he was doing when he was doing it how he was doing it and who he was doing it with and it wasn't an issue until he came out and vocally said hey get me up out of here y'all boys suck and i'm leaving get get me out of here and they were like are you sure are you sure same thing with gruden now i'll be interested to see in the coming weeks why now and what has allowed him to fall out of good graces and so that all of the things that have come out have now come out um, I heard about it. I did not take and dig, do much digging into it. But when I, at first, but when I did, I realized, yeah, nah, but he deserved to get his job going. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, look, all right. <sighs> did you see what he said about President to... Biden, bro? Huh? Did you see what he said about President Biden? I didn't. <sighs> Hit me with it. Pause. So, it, being a family friendly uh, show, we can't say the full words. But he said he was clueless, nervous, he was, excuse me, a nervous, clueless um, female genitalia. Now, along with, along with the, the, um, the, the biology of the female, I also saw what he called Goodell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I will say this. <laughs> he, he just, that rhymes, never mind. I yeah, can't even say listen, what it rhymes. And that's my thing, bro. Like... Long story, though, he was wild. And then in emails, who sends emails? Now, granted, it was 2011. So he might have just been on his BlackBerry in a thread going back and forth with somebody. But um, in, 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 in something else that you and I watched um, recently, matter of fact, the I forget what it was that you had me put on, that you put on yesterday that we were watching. He was talking Rick about. Rick documentary. No. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, I got found. But anyway, the guy, the guy was saying, like, it's the streets job to maintain one another. When you got athletes coming okay. up, um, the, it's, it's the hood folks' responsibility to shield them from certain things. If you know that there's somebody who is a talkative or telltale type guy, you don't put them around certain people to be able to protect them. Who does John Gruden have around him that's just letting all of the uh, <laughs> emails from 2011 just come circulating well, back up? So, if, first of all, shout out I'm sorry. No, no, you go, go ahead. Go. I was going to say, shout out to million dollars worth of game. But I, I, I try to hammer this point home again. If, if our circle, Cliff, mm-hmm. re- hypothetically speaking, if we regularly use the B word towards women and around each other, and when speaking and referencing women, then there would be a normalcy to that where if somebody saw me or picked me out of a lineup or picked me out of the group, and they were shot, then I could always, in a way, retort and say, my whole crew does that. Right. He's dealing with a gang of people that talk like this, bro, where it's not 
it's not foreign. It's not something that's asinine. It's not anything crazy. Mm. You know, it's a it's a boys club. It's a white boys club, and and some some brothers is in there too. But it's a boys club where that language is going to be, you know, is normal. And see, that's a topic you know? that I think extends a little bit beyond sports that we might have to holler at on uh, holler at DJ Blaze for the, with the DJ Blaze Radio Show podcast. Should we want a seat at that table um, and in those types of environments where those types of things are permissible? I, I've got my Do you want to be a fly on the wall in a football locker room, in a basketball locker room? Well, not even so. Like... Like you mentioned, with it being the all boys club and it being primarily white men, but then there are oh, blacks who are a part of that. Like, right. and, and so they sit around and, 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 and in my mind, have conversations where there are white guys who say the N word and are comfortable with it and or where they express how they feel and, and, and all that. I'm all for healthy dialogue and conversation where we can have different or conflicting opinions and views. But when, when you start getting to lines of personal things and or if i say hey that's offensive don't say that to me or yo relax chill then you know but that that's something different so i don't know that i would be comfortable where that norm is there and so but again that's a conversation that may be better and i think i want to make this point as well the military and armed forces is another industry Mm -hmm. where that culture um resides at and it's not a coincidence how close um or how much the military and the NFL are in bed, you know, you know, they're, they're friends with benefits. We know that. <laughs> Very so. much so. Well, even, but and honestly though, isn't the same true for any subculture? Because when, if you think about college campuses and the microcosm and the worlds within a world that those are, a week in a it, college campus is way different than a week in the real world. Absolutely. It gets, it gets crazy, but it's not like what we're pointing. Cause I'll, I'll even call our, I'll, I'll call out our culture, hip hop. The culture that I claim and I own and I, you know, stake own to and and claim a stake in or whatnot. Hip hop is crazy whenever it comes to, you know what I mean, when we talk about that. But I don't I think some subcultures police themselves better than others. I, I think yeah. college has waves, right? So college had its wave of Freaknik, of um uh, not H Town, but um two live crew and things mm-hmm. like that. And then there was a renaissance of self worth, self knowledge where Certain women, of course, there was women that wasn't letting that go down back then. You had your Queen Latifahs of the world and stuff, but it became like there was more and more people that, you know, began to stand up where, like I said, it was waves where these subcultures police themselves. And then, of course, you're going to have your outliers. You know, you might have a freaky state homecoming <laughs> or Howard homecoming one year out of five years or 10 years. But for the most part, stuff is quelled down. Stuff is kind of relaxed with that particular subculture. I mean, because we're talking about college. But it's a it's an interesting topic to un, to unpack because there's so many different industries or subcultures that you know we look at and we say, well, how do they operate? You know, well, how do they? Op- what's what's normal for them? What's what's normal for them? You know. And and I think that's where a lot of the outrage and oh my gosh, I would never. I don't understand that perspective lacks when a lot of those individuals um, start doing all that. Cause there's certain things like, uh, like again, to bring up Dave Chappelle and his co- uh, comedy special when he was like, can y'all please uncancel the baby? Like who he is and who he was and what he said is literally the reflection of the culture that he is a part of. 
And so to ask, that's like some, asking somebody from, you know, well, and then again, that's exactly what a lot of people expect. Somebody from India to come over to America and automatically know every one of our customs and uh, and assimilate in, hey, you're in America, you got to do da 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 When in reality, there are some things that they don't know. Um, here in the South, we say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, da 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 There are certain individuals who up North, you say that, they'd be like, yo, Relax, like, and 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 they're not gonna like tolerate that. I've been told. I can remember being in school and a teacher telling me, "Don't call me yes, sir." I was like, I, "That's that's in me, bro. It's the culture. It's who I am. It's a part of me." And so, small things like that, people don't really take consideration. Now, again, John Gruden was just wilding. I'm not saying <laughs> that his culture and 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 the subculture that he was a part of and felt comfortable to. Talk about Michael Sam and called <laughs> called the more dumb Oris Smith. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he was I can't lie, bro. If I was in a if I was in a back and forth with Demore and I came up with dumb Morris Smith, I would use it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Listen, and, and but it was wrong. It's wrong, but like you said, like I can't. <laughs> Dumb or like <laughs> it's not like a teenager is talking, bro. Literally, that's what's so that's literally what like when I started looking at some of the list of what he was, it seemed like real juvenile, like he was drinking beers someplace. Like, I'm gonna reply to this email. Yeah, dumb Morris Smith with the Smith. Michelin tire lips. <laughs> so and, and y'all, please don't be offended that we're laughing because at the end of the day, it's funny. <laughs> but nah, like. He was wrong for the way. But here's the thing also. See, first of all, you got to understand, John Gruden is not a white man, all right? He's a – no offense to my Native American community and happy Indigenous Peoples Day, but he's a red man, and I'm not talking about Native American. He is like this, the, the color red of that Tampa Bay red. <laughs> like, when a white person is that red that much, you know they say the N-word somewhere. Somewhere down the line, bro, you know they say that. That's racist, Edward. bro. You about to get suspended if, if, if from you red bro. all the time. That means you either bitching too much, you're sun <laughs> or you're just angry. You know what I mean? The comments of DJ Highstar do not necessarily reflect those of Carolina Sports Talk or Crux Media. Please send your emails to highstarent <laughs> at gmail.com. No, yeah, exactly. No, there's a lot of good white people that turn red a lot. But <laughs> this, this one. There. Listen, and, this and, one. and we don't stereotype people. We don't. We don't say judge a book right, cover by his cover. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he looked like he said everything the boy said. He said, <laughs> like, well, certain, did that. like, oh, he did. Like you, like certain things, like you can look at and somebody be like, nah, I don't believe Cliff would have said that. Like, nah, not Cliff. Uh-uh, nah, that's that. They they must have misconfused or something's wrong with that. When I read these comments, I was like, oh nah, he did all of that. The boy said he did. Listen. Here's a, and this is this is also seen as his value, but this is always giving me some kind of reserve. But he has like a passion when he talks, you know, mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. digs into all of his syllables and and consonants, and he just talks like like he's just got the n word on the tip of his tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, bro! Yeah, fun today. I'm sure it'd be easy. Gonna love this show. <laughs> Nah, for real, bro. Like, yeah. Shout out to uh to 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 the Raiders for urging that he go ahead and retire. Not retire, but um, what did he do? Resign. 
So, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we are laughing about it. It's not funny for those who are offended. And, and that's ultimately the key. The same way that um, there are groups of majority that can't tell African-Americans, oh, y'all just need to get over that. If something offends a person, then it's our responsibility to ensure that we do everything we can to promote. Did it, uh, did it not seem funny to you when he had the Khalil Mack move? Yeah, but I always or thought not? that that was um, a football move. A football move. Simply because, yes, he was the single-handed greatest talent on that team, but it also resulted in a lot of different Building. things. Exactly. So moves like that are often made. Same thing with, like, Steve Smith having to go when Cam really had to take over the team. The two, as large as both of their personalities were, there was no way that both of them were going to be able to work in Charlotte. And so, yes, a lot of people hated it. We didn't like it. But I understood it. And so the Khalil Mack move to me seemed like a football move. Now, with all of this, it, it literally puts everything else. Like when a prosecutor has one case of <laughs> of something where they like got in trouble or did something wrong and every other case that they did is opened. Now that goes back and say, well, maybe he felt like he had some Michelin spare tires too. <laughs> so at the time, I, I thought so. But it, it now calls into question everything that he does or has done moving forward so yeah he he is definitely taking a beating in the media right now and uh i, I, I would like the to say give it up everybody ladies and gentlemen donald sterling folks but now nah, he's, he's <laughs> taking a beating note out here almost the same as the beat down that tyson fury put on deontay wilder uh, in case you guys missed it fury wilder three uh happened this weekend and it was a slobber knocker to say the least. So, uh, High Star, what were your thoughts Whoa. about it? Whoa! Hey, Wait. You guys! Whoa! A slobber knocker, <laughs> fist or cuffs, knockdown, like, drag out. A slug fest. A slug fest. Let's keep it at. I've never heard slobber knocker before. Really? Oh, that's. Not... I mean, that sounds wild. <laughs> Listen, as again, we're talking about perspective. Slang from the 20s and 30s is very much inappropriate these days. There's certain, like a gumshoe, the name back then was a whole lot different. Or Richard, the name was a whole lot different. You feel me? So, like, you know, slobber knocker, bro. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, tell me your thoughts on the fight, man. It was indeed a slugfest. It went 11 rounds. Fury won by TKO. Um, the thing is, both of these gentlemen gave each other CTE. That's what I strongly <laughs> believe, okay? But no, all jokes aside, it was a physical, physical bout. There was, um, this is how it started, if, if you didn't see it. The first two to three rounds, Wilder came out and he was aggressive, as in um, throwing body shots to Fury, landing a lot of his body shots as well. With him doing so, that took a lot of his energy, spent them. Of course, Wilder is known for his infamous right hand, so he was trying to land that a lot, and that took a lot of his energy also. Tyson Fury, where it differed at, he saved his energy for about the fourth to the sixth or seventh round and was getting busy. He struck gold first by knocking down Wilder first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I believe he knocked down Wilder twice before Wilder, like, again, the second time he knocked Wilder down, Wilder's noodle, noodle legs never really recovered. After the second time knocking him down, that's when Wilder's resilience and perseverance started to show through and the things that everybody's admiring him for post-fight. So he actually knocked down Fury um, during that, during those middle rounds, and then 
toward the end. Again, both of the guys being spent and exhausted, exasperated. Uh, Fury was connecting more shots, cleaner. Thing with Fury versus Wilder, Fury's punches was a little bit tighter to his body, if you will. When Wilder was swinging, it was flailing like a shenanay type of um, swing, you know what I'm saying, from Martin. And there were very, there was a lot of space to weave and to slip those those swings. Or he was just making the job easy for Tyson Fury, in other words. And then the way Tyson was hitting, even though both of them are both long gentlemen, pause, or tall gentlemen, he kept his elbows in and he was connecting at a short distance, if that makes sense, versus trying to. And even when he was swinging from a longer distance, him being a taller guy with longer reach, it was gonna, it was still connecting perfectly, you know, right. um, as evidence of that last knockdown. For me, I think after the second fight, I came out with the realization and the observation that Tyson Fury is a better boxer. Deontay Wilder is a better fighter. Like if they were, I feel like if they were outside in in, in, a, in a brawl, Deontay was going would wear warm out. But because Tyson was slightly not even warm out, maybe win, but not even warm out. I mean, if 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 all rules was. If we were just the guy is the Undertaker, you got to hit him with a chair, then hit him with a beer bottle, <laughs> then. Then you know put him saying? under so the ring. And, yeah, I mean, and so it was very much evidence in this fight, as you mentioned, just with the cleaner lines and precision and the more accuracy with his striking. Tyson Fury was the better boxer, and that's why he won the match to me. And so, uh, you, what, what, um, what do you think's I, next for Deontay? Pretty much, you honestly, and not, not, no jokes about it, but you put a bow tie on this trilogy and let it let it live as it is um you could like it'll say 10 years 15 years from now when they're both past their prime it may be a nice idea for a novelty fight or whatever like that but move forward right now is fury's division to lose right which sounds crazy that but put it like this now lighten the mood a little bit there's a video floating around of fury with his family and they celebrating i guess <laughs> <laughs> and Notorious, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Notorious Big is playing. Goes, you know, if you don't know, now you know, John Gruden's favorite word. And then <laughs> after that, <laughs> and after that, um, <laughs> so so once Tyson Fury says, you know what I mean, whatever he says, the, the, the tweets following that <laughs> was like, it was like, well, who going? <laughs> who going to check him? <laughs> <laughs> and the sad state of affairs we're in right now. I saw somebody on social media. I don't remember who it was. It's like, man, ain't no way I'm letting no man with no muffin top beat me like that. <laughs> but not to mention, you guys, the Gypsy King. So when he came out mm -hmm. first, um, first Deontay Wilder came out with Battle Rapper Loaded Lux. So when he came out with Loaded Lux, that's when I knew he was gonna lose. But no, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Shout out to Loaded Lux. Respect. But um, he came out with Loaded Lux or whatever. And then uh, Fury comes out. And it's a whole real gypsy performance. Mm. Like, is guy, did you see any of that intro? Like, I the walkout? This guy, Gypsy, he's, he's doing, you know, a lot of the things that, again, that Gruden was frowning upon in his emails. <laughs> but he's doing some gender-fluent things. Okay? No, he's my punching bag this whole show, bro. Got but um, Chucky, <laughs> Chucky. But um, yeah, it was just a weird thing to come out to, 
And I'm like, bro, I'm not losing to nobody coming out with no gypsy dude and and all of this. But that's a whole culture, bro. Like, again, absolutely perspective. They learn literally a learn whole thing, bro. And, and and the subcultures that they have and the subsects within that culture, even is 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 something else, man. I, I think for me, moving forward, I would like to see, like you said, I think competitively, it's it's Wilder's division. Excuse me, it's um, Fury's dis- division now. Wilder's got to go and train. He has the potential, like you said, with that that right hand. We ain't seen nothing like it since Tyson. Um, but you cannot rely solely on that and on the intimidation factor because when you do, you'll end up back here. So hopefully, he's able to get with a good trainer and learn to box a little bit better, get get technically more sound, still while maintaining that power that he has, and uh, hopefully coming back and, and making some noise. One thing, yeah. One thing about it with all of this noise, if you will. In the sport of boxing going on around Jake Pauls of the world, Logan Pauls of the world, Nate Robinson, all of this other of exhibition stuff going on, this was awesome for this for the sport of boxing. Right. Like you know, fighting as a whole is an umbrella that might include MMA and include these other things. But boxing needed this night. The big dogs, the big dogs don't even come out that often, let alone fight each other. Right. So the fact that they were fighting each other and they and they performed. Boxing needed this night, and again, I, I joked about it earlier, but those gentlemen, they had to, you know, they definitely, they, they, they sacrificed their bodies. They sacrificed their bodies, and that is definitely commendable. Yeah, we, we had a discussion, I think, well, matter of fact, last week here on Carolina Sports Talk, talking about w- whether or not we let our sons play football or certain contact sports. There ain't no way, my, like, he just got to be mad with me. My son can't be nobody boxer, boy. No, sir. Like, you can learn to box. A fighter box, yeah, yeah, but to, to, yeah, no, uh-uh. to be a prize fighter without so no, much, no. and then somebody like Floyd is such an anomaly, uh, where he did not. It's like a Tom Brady, you're learning how to not get hit to preserve Precisely. and to elongate your career or whatnot, yeah, definitely. But like you said, good win for boxing overall, good win for uh, Tyson, excuse me, uh, yeah, Tyson Fury. But as we get forward, move forward, it's time for Big Deal, No Thing. That's a big nah, deal. that ain't no thing. We're going to give you, you know how it is, we give you a set of high headlines, tell you a little bit of details about it, and let you know whether it's a big deal or no thing. First up, the WNBA Finals have begun with the Chicago Sky taking off uh, with a one to nothing lead over the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, it's only the Sky's second ever appearance at the championship round and their first since 2014. Big deal or no thing? Um, big deal. <clears throat> That's a big deal. I agree. That's what, a big deal. Got um, we need more parity in the WNBA. So first with Phoenix dropping what Las Vegas, I want to say. They put Las Vegas out they in the did. semis. Mm-hmm. So with them doing that, with Diana Taurasi still performing like she is, congratulations to her on the new addition to her family as far as the, the new, uh, I think, a baby girl or something like that. Um, but... <clears throat> With a team like Chicago, that'll just, again, it, it's just going to put, we need more of the women's teams on the map or out there as quality products, in other words, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me, that was part of the big deal with uh, Candace Parker signing back with her hometown team, leaving L.A. to go to one of the quote-unquote smaller markets. Now, Chicago is Chicago, but as far as with the WNBA, as you mentioned, it was a smaller market. They they had not been doing a whole bunch of winning and for them to be one of the lower seeds and to come up with the, what they've done so far, um, it's definitely impressive. Uh, I'd like to see a good finals to maybe go five games. Uh, you got you got to pick it. 
female LeBron-esque? She's getting there. She's getting there. Because, listen, the, the, the game she had the other night, too, I would thought to myself, I'm like, wait, this Anthony Parker sister we talking about. Now, no disrespect. No, no, no disrespect. No disrespect because Anthony Parker is Candace Parker's brother. Like, big, that's that's if we had to say facts. what we had to say. But I'm, I said it in the context of, dang, I remember 2011 or 2010 when I'm in Orangeburg and – Remember, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Talking about this girl now, not to mention she's a media personality or, or like on um, television sports commentator, color commentator, but also still performing. Right. Damn. Yeah, she doing out thing, man. The so, for real. Shout out to them. And like I said, hopefully this guy pull this one out. Uh, next up, the NHL season starts uh, on Tuesday with Pittsburgh. Well, it's Wednesday because we dropped on Wednesdays, but the day before the show dropped, it was on Tuesdays. Today we're recording. The NHL Wait. starts Tuesday with the Pittsburgh Penguin, Penguins taking on the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Big deal, no thing. It's no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. So we don't have a button for uh, what I want to say is kind of a thing. So I'm going to say that's a no, big nah, deal. that ain't no thing. <laughs> now here at Carolina Sports no. Talk, we uh, I am personally a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Um, I've not really... Had, well, we, we were decent last season and, and even in a COVID-shortened season, but not had a whole lot to celebrate since 2006 when we won the Cup. That being said, I'm not really into hockey until playoff time. I like hockey, but playoff hockey is is where, you know, it, it starts kind of drawing and pulling my interest. So I'm glad that the season is starting, but holler at me when it's the playoffs. Now, why you say it's no thing? Uh, for the same reason, precisely. But no, um, shout out to the Rangers, shout out to the Islanders, but shout out to the Rangers more specifically, which is my, my hockey team. Um, I go back to the days of your Mark Messier's of the world, of course, whenever we got Wayne Gretzky and stuff like that. So, you know, shout out to the Rangers. Um, but yeah, it's no thing just simply because the product of hockey is not, the, the viewership isn't doesn't dictate that I need to be excited about this. Uh, <laughs> like they got to. Listen, like that's the thing about all of these sports. All of these sports are products. It's the people's job that's married to the sport to go ahead and propel that and stuff. And that's again goes along with gender pay and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of a, a majority of that comes along with just putting out something that the people want to see. Precisely. Um, you're gonna have your core fans and all of that stuff, but right now, like you said, I'm not really interested in um, NHL. MLB, and a lot of people will say this as well, and it's kind of true with me, but NBA also, until maybe All-Star break Mm. toward the middle of the season or something like that. Do you think the new deal um, with the television rights that they've signed with ESPN to begin airing the games on ESPN will make a difference with the NHL with regards to popularity? Yeah, um, with the NHL, it's, it's funny because similar to how you were in the middle of the road about big deal and no thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of a thing. The NHL, the NHL's visibility as far as their faces and stuff like that. It's kind of a thing because it's like, you still got the helmet, but you don't have the face mask that football has. So you don't have as much visibility as M- NBA or major league baseball, maybe, but it's more, you, you have an opportunity with these guys to put them out a little bit more than you have been putting them. If we can, if we can market these football players the way that we market them. 
Yeah, and, it, and and hockey does have its scores, I mean, scores, stars, and I know this is a big deal, no thanks, so we'll move forward. But, like, you got your Alex Ovechkins of the world, who's closing in on Wayne Gretzky's um, goal record. You've got your Sid the Kid, Sid Crosby, who is actually uh, originally not expected not to play with the Penguins in opening night, but he is actually going to be in the lineup. So they've got their marketable big-name stars. You've got Stahl out there in Carolina. A lot of guys who are the big names, I think that visibility is going to be key for them. And signing this deal with ESPN, I think, will help with them. Hopefully, you know, nothing else on. I might catch a hockey game, and who knows? I might start liking regular season hockey again, too. Moving forward, Alabama loses to Texas A&M. Big deal, no thing. Big deal. That's a big deal. I might shock you with this. Nah, that ain't no thing. I don't think it's nothing, but go ahead. Tell me why you think it's a big deal. Nah, you don't shock me with that at all, but um, to my answer is just that anytime there's an Alabama loss, that that it become that is a big deal. You see the re- reaction of the Texas Texas A and M fans mm. and the pandemonium of everything going on out there, and that tells you or shows you that it that there's something. It's a big thing. You know what I mean? It's a big thing. It's a big thing to somebody. Cause <laughs> so uh, yes, to the fans of Texas A and M, to the Texas A and M players and teams and all of that. Yes. In the grand scheme of things, it knocked down, uh, it, knocked, it knocked Alabama down from number one to number five. They will remain undefeated through the rest of their regular season, and then they'll be in the SEC championship. At that time, they'll probably be number two in the country, and they'll be facing the number one team, the Georgia Bulldogs. And if they if they lose to Georgia, then then it's a big deal. Because then at that point, you're a two-loss team. But if they beat Georgia, they're right back in the CFB and uh, in the CFP and likely to go ahead and, and, and try to contend for another championship. Now, it's something, it's something important you said. Go ahead. You said, like, for the rest of the season, they will remain undefeated. And that's the biggest thing. Now, granted, and what you meant, of course, was probably that they won't lose another game the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But that's the biggest thing about this thing is these programs like the Clemson of the world, the Georgias of the world, your Alabamas of the world, at one time your Notre Dames of the world, whenever they have their year or two, you know what I'm saying? When these teams go on their streaks or whatever like that and they go on their, their wins, that's the biggest draw um, almost where perfection in college football has almost become a normalcy of some sorts where, you know, again, I call it the Floyd Mayweather syndrome, but – we're so used to seeing got uh, teams run the table, and then two undefeated teams are part of the four-team playoff system, or or whatnot. So, with that loss happening, it is going to be a pivot. It is a pivotal moment in their season, but it is, um, how should I put it? It's a part of their this season's resume, if you will. It's a part of this season's identity. Yeah, and and, and I get that, and I agree to an extent, but I think for for the larger programs of the world, that's not a thing. Now, it's not like they're Clemson and have lost con- multiple games. It's not like they're Clemson and look bad. Texas A&M was, was just primed. They almost beat them last year. And, and with Jimbo being the first uh, assistant coach to beat Nick Saban, I think that part of it is, is notable. But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, Alabama doesn't go to play football to win undefeated seasons they don't take solace in oh we won the in the uh, sec west they look they're out there for championships 
And so as long as it does not hinder the goal of winning the championship, I don't think it's a, a big deal in the scheme of things. Now, if if I think it would be a bigger deal if uh, Coastal Carolina were to lose a game because of what they are and who they are. They know that the national championship is not likely a goal that's attainable for them. So their goals are set to be able to win an undefeated season, make it to a, a power uh, to a uh, New Year's Day bowl. And, and that's a successful season for them. Alabama, they want championships. And, and so to not be disturbed from that goal, I think is a bit larger from them. And, and as I mentioned with the rest of their season, they play Mississippi State this weekend. They've got Tennessee, LSU, who has been struggling all year long. New Mexico State, they do have a pretty decent matchup in, um, in the end of November against Arkansas, who's currently number 17 in the country. And has quite honestly looked like a good team, except well, for that one mm-hmm. game against Georgia. And then they finish off against Auburn. So they realistically can remain, uh, or as you corrected me, they can finish the season out without any additional losses and still be on goal and on track for their uh, goals. Two quick questions with that. Did Nick Saban have this game circled on his schedule? And are there any other games that he has circled on his schedule right now for their remaining schedule? And I'm going to say no. The other teams circle them to say this is a big game that we got to match up with. Absolutely. When, when you get to the the caliber of Nick Cam Nick Cannon, wow! I got to get myself one for that one, Nick Cannon. When you get to the caliber of Nick Saban and and the Alabama football team, they're going out every week and and taking each team and each week as if it's their championship. Exactly, because they know that they're going to get each team's best shot. Exactly. Yep. So makes sense. Yeah, for me, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. As we move forward, our last topic and big deal, no thing. Another major league uh, baseball postseason without the New York Yankees. Big deal or no thing? It's no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. You already know where I'm That's going. That's a big deal. This is huge, and I'm gonna jump in front of you on this one for me. Of course, because you're gonna first of all. <laughs> Go ahead, because I didn't want to step on any of your points, but I have a feeling I'm a I just know you so well that I know some of your colloquialisms. But go ahead. Their performance has signed the end of the tenure for GM Brian Cashman. As far as I'm concerned, he's a good GM, but the same way in that uh, Ron Rivera was a good coach for the Panthers, but it was time for someone else to come it's time for somebody else to be uh, at the reins for the New York Yankees. It is ridiculous to continue to spend the amount of money that that franchise does and not have the penance to pay for it. So um, it's sad for baseball. Baseball is better when the Yankees are in contention late into October and into, you know what I mean? The world series. But uh, yes, this is signed the end of Cashman. So um, yeah. It's big deal because he's he's out of there and we'll be back soon. I like that point though. I said it's no thing. I'm joking, of course. I'm a Yankees fan, <laughs> but I see it as no thing because literally a postseason is no thing without the Yankees. You feel what I'm saying? Right. It's not a Are thing. Still, to me. They're still playing baseball. It's no <laughs> exactly. So it doesn't matter right now. But I will say, last year and this might give him a year or two of breathing room, but last year being the COVID year that it was, was different just in general with all sports. But we did have, we should have won last year. We should have won. We should have been contending or competing this year. Um, But we definitely, last year we should have won. Um, And there's, there's other years, of course, in the past four years or five years that we should have been 
right there in the talks or in the conversation, at least. Yeah, the team is currently constructed is is going to sell tickets. It's going to be exciting. They're going to have the hype. But what really what really cost us this season against the Red Sox in that play uh, in that playoff game, that one single elimination playoff game was that all season long we've lived and died by the the long ball, by the home run. And when you have the games where it gets muddy and you got to get some folks on and just get consistent hitting, we've not been able to do that. So the, the, the wins that we had, it wasn't anything to see a score that was 20 to 1, 20 to 6, 20 to 5, 21, 14, something like that, like football-type scores. When when it comes to playoff baseball, that's not what is winning championships. Three to Playoff? One. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> big more, big more energy. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, we, we we've got to construct a team that that I again, I like the judges. I love the Stantons. I like all of those type moves. But we need some gritty, grind ground out hitters in the first couple of the spots that are going to get on base. And, and and we we don't typically have that right now. And so yeah, Cashman is out of there. So just before we wrap up, we're going to jump into our nothing to do with sports segment for the week. Um, and that's all on you, bro. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Hey, bro, what are you talking about, bro? You should let that whole thing ride. Shout out to Russell Westbrook and his turnovers that don't matter for the Lakers right now. <laughs> but um, wanted to give a big shout out this week. Last week, I talked about the different utopias that these big producers, these, um, you know, macro producers are, are doing for television nowadays. In alignment with MCU, you have like Power Universe and, and different things like that. This whole world of the Sopranos and the Many Saints of Newark as well. But this week, I wanted to spotlight a quick thing on legacy, birthright, and just making your, making your parents proud. So uh, with the BMF series that's executive produced by 50 Cent, I believe written by 50 Cent and all of that, um, it's actually starring uh, one Demetrius Flannery Jr. If that name sounds familiar, it should. It's actually Big Meech's son. Mm-hmm. So the infamous or the notorious Big Meech um, that the show is centered around and that's the protagonist of the show and the main character, his actual son is playing him. His son resembles a little bit resembles Derrick Rose, but uh, you know, just a little bit. And then, in addition to that, we go over to the Many Saints of Newark. On the Many Saints of Newark, um, you actually have Michael Gandolfini, Gandolfini rather, Michael Gandolfini. And if that last name sounds familiar, it should. Because his, his dad was James Gandolfini, who played Tony Soprano on the regular series. And Michael, in the many uh, Saints of Newark movie, he actually plays the younger Tony Soprano, um, like a teenage Tony Soprano and stuff like that. So, you know, kudos to those young men. I don't know if acting was in their, um, in their sights, if they, you know, especially like Big Meech's son, I don't know if he ever wanted to do acting and stuff like that, but salute to those guys for stepping into their father's shoes literally and, um, you know, and, and, and doing their thing and representing their legacies. And, see, and that's dope to me. The, if you go back to the Mario Van Peebles of the world and 
um, even with the Ice Cubes more recently, and, and a lot of these guys, right, uh, right, uh, Denzel Washington's son, a lot of these guys Absolutely. following in their father's footsteps, man. Um, it's 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 a good thing to see, man. So shout out to those guys, uh, and, and as you mentioned, walking, stepping literally into their dad's shoes. So while we're talking legacy, Wood Harris and Steve Harris, mm. I just thought about it, but both of them are actually on the BMF series. I just thought about that. Mm. That's useful. So, um, yeah, Steve Harris. Either, excuse me, I'm sorry. I believe Steve Harris may be on Wu Tang um, gotcha. right now. Is on Wu Tang, but him and Wood Harris, brothers, and they they both still working, you know, out here. So shout out to them as well. Listen, it, it, it goes like I said, it goes on because when you said that, my mind went to uh, Wild and Crazy Kids with Omar. <laughs> Listen. And then Cuba, yeah. So listen, talent. And the daddy, well, you know, the daddy was in the music, but yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. Well, my dog, it's a good show today, man. I appreciate you for joining on with your boy. Uh, you know, the folks be screaming for you. They be chanting for you. So I think, you know what I mean? We got to mm-hmm. give the people what they want. As they say out in the deep, got to give the people, give the people what they want. What they want, yeah. So, you want to holler at the people and tell them anything before you get out of here, bro? Um, well, definitely follow my DJ page at DJ underscore high star at DJ underscore high star on Instagram. Definitely be on the lookout for a couple of things coming up in the next few weeks. Um, just revamping some things, had it under construction. Um, but we're looking to go ahead and like reload for the fourth quarter of this year and get rocking and rolling for 2022. There we go. And once again, it is what it is, you know. It's your man, Big Cliff. Uh, Make sure you check us out on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Instagram or Facebook at Carolina Sports Talk or hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk to be uh, this Carolina Sports Talk line to be a part of the show. Cliff at CarolinaSportsTalk.net. This is your man, Big Cliff. Until next time, hey. Welcome everyone to your Trap Queens podcast, where we teach, reach, acknowledge, and promote. We're always positive and everything we speak on is intended for our growth. I am your queen, Tamika Lachey, with my lady co-host, Queen V. Hello everyone, I'm Queen V, and we are here to teach our community by discussing issues that negatively affect us, and we offer tools to create change. We're reaching all individuals who are willing to change and have a desire to be the best version of themselves. We're also acknowledging people who have taken lemons and made lemonades by highlighting their stories in a way in which we can learn from their experience. And lastly, we are promoting minority businesses by offering trade secrets and other tools to grow their business and encourage success. We are Trap Queens. Trap Queens. So come trap with your queens every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Trap Queens.